and welcome to IRI Growth Insights, featuring IRI thought leaders, industry partners, and guests. For more than 40 years, IRI has been known for its invaluable data, but these podcasts delve into the insights the data reveal to fuel market disruption and market growth for those in the CPG, retail, healthcare, and media markets. I'm your host, Joan Driggs, coming to you from IRI's corporate headquarters in Chicago. Hello, and welcome to another episode of IRI Growth Insights. I'm Joan Driggs. For older Gen Zs, those aged 18 to 23, the pandemic became a generation-shaping event, complete with quarantines, school shutdowns, social distancing, and unemployment. As Gen Z returns to in-person classes and jobs, registers to vote, and charts their course to becoming future leaders, what are their views on the world, on government, corporations, and brands? What would they do differently if they were in charge? In this episode, we're going to get to know Gen Z as they come of age. Together with my colleague, Jennifer Polino, IRI's Executive Vice President of Omnichannel Media, we welcome back Shelly Zalis, CEO and Chief Troublemaker of the Female Quotient, a collective working to advance equality and also a valuable partner to IRI. So this podcast is being recorded before you two, Jennifer and Shelley, present at Can Lions. And just after we completed some major research on Gen Z and their loyalty toward brands. So previously, IRI worked with the female quotient on equal representation of women in media, GEM, gender equality measurement. Um, so I have to ask, why Gen Z and why now? Jennifer, you start because you have so much to say in this subject. <laughs> wow, thanks, Shelley. So many subjects. You're an expert across uh, the board. Well, well, thanks. I mean, this generation is so exciting because they are. I mean, the the oldest members, as you mentioned, Joan, aren't uh, you know are just graduating from college, and the youngest members are still in grade school, and so they're really poised to be this really influential generation. And um, they also account for 20% of all, um, you know, the direct buying power, about $143 billion worth. And so when you look at those numbers, and also to the, um, you know, how they, um, how they think about the world, um, their their diversity, their technology prowess, their pragmat, their pragmatism, um, and their worth, their worth ethic. I think bringing all of those pieces together is really one in which um, we really want to dive into and really understand how they're thinking about shopping, how they're thinking about brands, how they think about. Um, uh, what is meaningful to them and how they relate it back to products. And so really understanding them um, and setting that work in motion, I think is the perfect timing, especially, um, you know, when we're coming off of, you know, a, almost a year and a half of, um, you know, a, this pandemic that we've been into and a lot of the social justice uh, movement uh, that has been front and center, which this group of individuals are, you know, have very strong opinions on. 
I also think, you know, the next generation is the now generation. They are leading the way today. They have voices for change. They have purpose in their DNA. They want to understand the value proposition of brands. And when you look at Gen Z, you know, that is the digital generation. I mean, you know, look how much we are learning from this generation. They're they're the most influential voices also of what brands people should buy. And, you know, social media really has become, you know, talk about Jennifer, Omnimedia has become such an important media channel. And, you know, when you look at the top five um, most influential purchase powers or voices, it's the voice of Gen Z. It's the digital voice. It's they're the influencers today. I mean, look how that has shifted. So I think such an important audience. I like the idea of the influential part of it. I mean, Jennifer mentioned that they do have buying power, but I think that far more they're influencing others to buy, you know, households, friends, and things like that. Um, So what is important to this generation? My perspective, what's important from this generation is being heard, but not just heard for the sake of hearing, it's hearing to listen. And, you know, they, they really want to have a seat at the table as they should. This is the first time in history, we have five generations in the workplace, Gen Z coming in and traditionalists moving out, but retiring later. And so the whole multicultural interaction and integration is so important. You know, a lot of younger people don't want to work with older people because they don't want to work with people their parents' age, and we must be fuddy-duddies of some sort, or we (laughs) use the word woke in the wrong way. Um, And then the older generation doesn't want to work with the younger generation because they don't think they know anything. And I'm here to tell you loud and clear that we learn from each other. It's not just wisdom from the top down or bottom up. It's about the wisdom that we share all around and learn and grow from, from one another. So I think that that is what they they want. They want to be seen. They want to be heard, and they don't want to be um, their their opinion to be changed or contextualized or framed. What they say is what they feel. They do not mince words, um, and I think that that's very important to them. That authenticity, even though they hate the word authenticity because they don't think it's an authentic word, they like the word <laughs> real. Well, would it be be individualistic, you know, that that's, listen to me for who I am and what I have to say? Well, that's very important because they don't think that they are in a bucket. They think they all have their individuality, which is important, but they also really believe that they have the voice that matters. That's the real voice, but they need the older generations to help them with the resources and the funding. <laughs> but they, they yeah. do have a real position and a real place um, that is untapped, that they are definitely occupied. So, Jennifer, yeah. what else do you think is really important to this generation? Yeah, I mean, you, you did mention there is this commitment to individuality, um, but there's also this real commitment to what, you know, this intersectionality of, you know, how they think about, um, you know, what's important. I mean, their focus isn't always binary. There's individualism, but then there's, you know, the the piece that they hold so dear about human rights and equality that are, I think, real disruptive hallmarks of this generation. Um, they don't really focus on 
um, just, you know, they want this inclusiveness. They want their choice to be, it's not just about like A or B, you know, in a binary, you know, uh, decision-making it's maybe A and B, or how do we bring these pieces together? They really want to take the best of everything and bring those pieces together. That's some of the, the thinking that I've seen in when we're, we're speaking to them and also doing additional research. I think it's, um, I think they really are individuals that do also what they say. They have a real strong nature about like, you know, they think, you know, you know, uh, uh, sustainability, you know, and that comes in many forms, of course, but they think that that's very, that's a very important platform for them, you know, in many different ways. And I do believe that they are, you know, they are walking that talk. Yeah. Right. It's not just saying it and not doing anything about it. They are making a difference. And I think they they also really want to make the world a better place and they want to buy from brands that share those same values. I mean, I just want to bring that home. The other thing with this generation, they believe in dual income partnerships. And so they both, whatever the partnership is, you know, um, they 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 don't want to have a primary breadwinner. They both want to be. And so I think that that's also where choices get made. Um, Equality will start in the home and buying power is multiplied because both of, you know, in a partnership, they both want to have successful careers and successful families. As a parent, I love that, frankly. Um, (laughs) That's a great way to kind of transition some of these things that mean so much to this generation into like what is important for brands to consider? Like what's the business implication? You already mentioned, Shelly, you know, that this is two incomes likely or a partnership of, of um, economics coming at some, some of these decisions. But how do things, some of the things that you guys have already touched on, like sustainability, trans, transparency, authenticity, how does that kind of play into how they gravitate towards brands or how brands should be thinking about them? You, you know, one of the uh, things I found in, you know, the research that we did, I, you know, which I found fairly interesting, you know, not being a Gen Z, <laughs> far from it, um, but their, their decisions on this, um, the way in which they approach products is that they also don't consider them, you know, a, a, they get very they get very annoyed by the fact that there are different, you know, for a functional product, why there are, you know, girl products or male products and female products, right? And that they're actually paying more, they're paying a premium for some of the female products, which have the same functionality as, you know, as male, you know, male products. Um, You know, one of the products that we studied was um, native uh, deodorant, and this did very well with that generation. But when we dove a little deeper as to why, the, the, they were very much about, you know, the, 
the, the package. They wanted it to be much more neutral. They wanted it to make sure that it performs, right? Like I shouldn't have a different performance standard uh, from male and female. They wanted it, um, everything to be simple, authentic, make sense for the brand, but also to make sense for me and don't put me in a box. And I think that was one of, you know, like that was just a real like world case study of, you know, how they start thinking about brands. So I think that they want the brand to be, um, you know, simple, marketed towards, you know, this more fluid approach, if you will, um, and not put labels on things. I also think it's a generation of on demand in the moment and, you know, see me for who I am, you know, which I think comes back to the individuality, but it's also about the realness. I think they will be the global goal champions, you know, ensuring that, you know, we do make the world truly a better place, but they also want to see consistency. So they don't want to see brands just talking the talk, you know, to look good. They want to make sure that brands are consistently walking the talk and, and doing good, you know, and it's, you know, of course, as Mark Pritchard always says, it's brands for growth and brands for good. I mean, that's what they expect. And, and I think that they are a generation. I wrote this the other day. I don't know that I'll say it right, but I want what I want when I want it. I W W I W W I W. You know, I, <laughs> it's not at the end, but it is true. You know, they, they do want, um, what they want. And they, it really is about gender neutrality versus, you know, gender specific, which is, you know, the whole world that we need to be evolving to. And even from a research, you know, implication, demographic profiling, like that's going to become, you know, a whole different ballgame. It's more psychographic. It's more behavior graphic. It's more, you know, how you live your life versus putting you in a box based on your age and your race and your religion and your gender for that matter. Right. And, and Shelly, isn't it interesting that, you know, when we think about that and, you know, both of us coming from, you know, brands and, you know, research and the challenge that is for marketers today um, as they, there, it's a whole new way of thinking about research and, um, and that instantaneous information that they need, but also too that there that expectation of this continuous change of a generation that you know highly values and acts you know on the freedom to conform or not to conform. Well, also, I mean, who's going to take a forty-minute survey? Gen Z is not going to, right? You know, and it's um, you know, my father, may he rest in peace, told me once he was on an airplane and. And they handed him a survey. And so, of course, because I was his daughter, he said, Shelly, Fran, I, I knew I had to take the survey. You would have been upset with me. I said, great, Daddy. What happened? He says, well, I took the survey, but I lied. And I said, you lied. You lied on a survey. Why did you lie? He said, well, I answered everything truthfully. And then at the end, it asked me my gender, fine, male, and then asked me my age. And he must have been 75 at the time. He passed at 84. And I said, well, daddy, why didn't you put your age? He said, well, if I put 75, they would have disregarded my survey. So I put 60 because I travel like a 60-year-old, not like a 75-year-old. And so when you think about that implication, you know, we can no longer work in a push world. We are living in a pull world. People pull what they want. And, you know, all of these things really are indicators 
And not only indicators, they are flashing right in our face to say, you better, you know, if, if, if you want to be survival of the fittest, you better evolve or you will be a dinosaur. Right. Yeah. It's mining that what I, you know, like I, I think about passive collection of data, it's mining that data and also then, um, you know, overlaying that with attitudes and context that we don't have, um, but being able to do it in the, the rapid pace that, um, you know, people are making decisions these days. Well, it's interesting because, you know, I'm hearing that Gen Z, they don't want to take surveys and yet um, we had a delightful group of people um, who identified as female, um, young adults, talking to us about what's important to them. And, you know, we, we put so many different products, all from like our new product, Paysetters Family, against them. And that's where the whole native, you know, just kept bubbling up to the top of ticking all the right boxes um, for this generation. Um, and Jennifer, I think you did touch on mining the data, and that would be the actual behavioral data, right? So there is a way to get to this group, but it's, you know, approaching everything that you're doing or from what I'm hearing from you transparently, authentically, you know, honestly, and saying why it's important or what the benefit is to any consumer of a product or a service. Right. I mean, and and by the way, NextGen likes to take surveys. They just want to take them their way and, you know, not just push an old school survey to them because that that's not interesting. So it's really just saying, shake up, shake, shake yourself a little bit because we are all on, you know, fasten your seatbelt, shake yourself, shake yourself up a little bit because we are evolving in a snowball way. I mean, we're, we're rolling fast and we need to, if we want to stay relevant. And as Jennifer used the right word, contextualize everything we do from media to buying to research to, you know, selling. All of these things need to reflect the generation that they are. And these are the true digital natives. So how does their connectedness um, play into this? I mean, obviously, social media, right, plays the the biggest role. I mean, these are the groups that are that and the individuals that have grown up on, uh, you know, on TikTok, on Snap, on Instagram, on YouTube, right? They're they're learning how to do, you know, everyday tasks through influencers or through YouTube videos, right? Um, it is amazing in, uh, you know, the connectedness that they have. And what I think is really interesting is, um, you know, they have, you had said it, Joan, they grew up from a digital native perspective, but with the pandemic, um, it's also brought to the forefront how powerful those platforms really are for all of the generations. But because they were have been so integral from the very beginning of that, I think it lends really another different perspective of you know how it accelerated, um, you know these different platforms and how brands really need to beware 
this the generation is. And so they again, they have to think about how, you know, if you're a brand and that's why it's more hard for a marketer and the challenge, like you're creating, you know, 15, 30 ads. And now you have to create like individual unique content that keeps them engaged, um, you know, um, across the board. And that's hard. Um, And then you have to, you know, find the right influencers that are talking to with your product and they have to be genuine. So I think it's really a, um, a way, a new way that brands have to think about how they're engaging on those platforms in which the Gen Z finds most prevalent. And if I go back to Shelly's I W W I W I W W I um then marketers ha- marketers have to do it on a personal level too. I mean there's a lot of those I's in in mixed in with those W's. Um so it has to be personal as well. So well, we're not living in a linear world anymore more. We're living in a multicolor non-linear multimedia world on steroids. And so, you know, you need to be able to push the content out there, but let people pull it from however they want to consume it. And I think that it's the same thing with buying and it's the same thing with voting and it's the same thing, you know, with everything. And when you create campaigns or you create omnimedia, you know, creating this presence, you need to think about all the different channels, but not just migrating content from one screen to another, making it bigger or making it smaller, but it's truly creating it applicably and appropriately for those media channels so that, you know, the people that are consuming on YouTube or on Instagram or on TikTok, you know, A, have access to the content, but it's in a relevant way. In traditional media, it was a push where you sat on your your couch and you watched television and the ads popped up in between. We are in an attention world where grabbing attention is very difficult. So, you know, you need to grab the attention, you need to inform, and then you need to persuade. And so all of those things is very different dynamics today as it was then. We have way more channels. We have way more noise. We have way more clutter. Um, and we have, you know, individuals that are defining themselves very differently than, you know, a four bucket um, definition. Right, right. So if you were to kind of like sum up, like maybe some of your top do's or top don'ts, for any company or service that wanted to engage with Gen Z, um, what would one of those do's or don'ts be? One thing um, as far as a do is really understanding first, I think, you know, what the what this generation, um, not only how, how they think about your brand, and also to what is you, where are you going to go um, with your brand? What is the positioning that you're going to talk to this generation about your brand? What is it going to stand for? If it doesn't stand for anything, then I think you have a very strong uh, or in difficult time to be able to uh, connect with this generation. Because they, you know, they're about, um, they will experiment 
right? Um, but you have, it, but, and they're willing to do that, but you have to be, um, as we had said, I know that they were saying it's un- inauthentic, but we, do, you do have to be authentic. You have to be simple. You have to stand for something that they really believe that's going to make a difference. Shelly, how about you? Uh, I would say be real. Then I would say listen to hear. Then I would say give NextGen a seat at the table in every decision you make and empower them to make decisions. Yeah. Um, yeah. They are a large portion of the population and they are just getting started. So think about it. It's like if you want... If you want this generation to succeed, um, do everything you can to help them, to help them. And make sure you share your values. Yeah. Be consistent. Mm -hmm. Great. Well, I want to just kind of recap just a couple things. Um, And Shelly, I'm going to have you start with the, I want what I want. What is it again? I want what I want when I want it. Okay. In a way that I want it. Fair enough. Okay. So not only the I's and the W's, but they want to be heard and have a seat at the table. Um, These multicultural interactions are so important. Like everything is, I think, Jennifer, you said it. It's like everything is fluid. fluid. They're as a generation, as a multicultural unit, um, by gender. Don't take any of it for granted. Um, And brands really need to be where the generation is, push that content out, but let people pull it in. All right. With that, ladies, I want to thank you for your time. And um, I can't wait for the next conversation, whether it's about Gen Z or others. Thanks. Thank you. That was fun. Let me leave you with a couple facts on the Gen Z population. Gen Z accounts for 20% of all U.S. consumers and are 32% of the global population. In the U.S., Gen Z has an estimated direct buying power of $143 billion. That's only going to go up as they come into their own and as the population ages. Gen Z are considered to be the first digital natives. While Gen Z doesn't really want to be put into a bucket and there's no one-size-fits-all approach, they are known for their work ethic, technology prowess, and passion for action. They are inclusive. You want to learn more? Visit iriworldwide.com and download our Gen Z white paper. Understand me, don't define me. Thanks and have a great day. Thank you for listening. Please become a subscriber and let us know what you want to learn more about. We'll serve it up in a future IRI Growth Insights episode. Look for us wherever you get your podcasts and be sure to review IRI Growth Insights. Also, visit us on the web at iriworldwide.com and connect with us on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn.